0: Oh, Are we hit the D when we repeat? Because I think when they when they do it, they hit the B minor. B minor. Yep. Yeah, i had forgotten about that tag. Mm-hmm. No, Church, it's good to see you all. Uh, This morning we're going to continue on our series in John, and and to do that I want to tell you a little bit about my my home. On most days, my house is a hazard to my health, (laughs) especially at night though. I have a light on my nightstand and, and slippers with hard bottoms, always on standby, and the reason for this is because we have many little ones who like to leave small Lego death traps on the floor and other toys that can puncture the skin just lying around. And you never know where uh, they might be because the, the landscape is ever changing. You never, you never know quite where something's going to be, the hazards are, are endless. And so when I need to get up in the middle of the night and check on a child or go to use the bathroom, I won't leave my bedside without my slippers and my light. Many in our world today walk around in darkness, and when trouble and disaster strike, they never see it coming. And they aren't equipped to answer the questions that follow, like why would something like this happen, or How can we prevent this from happening in the future? You take an issue uh, like gun violence. Every time there's a a school shooting, it does not take long for uh, the political debates to rage. On one side, they think the problem is that guns are too easy to possess. The other side thinks that more people should own a gun and that carrying guns would cut down on gun violence. However, both are wrong when the solutions are only legislative What about a tragic car accident or a a young person who dies of cancer? The how and the why questions can outnumber the answers. So many in our world today stumble through life like walking around in my home in the dark at night without a flashlight. They stub their toe and they step on a Lego and they don't know what hit them, but they're hurting. We live in a world today with many who are hurting a world that stumbles in the dark. And Jesus came into this world to turn the lights on. And more than that, in our passage today, Jesus will declare, I am the light of the world. What does this mean? What are the implications? Let's get to the word of God now. Please turn with me to John chapter 8. We're going to pick it up in verse 12 and read all the way to 30. If you need to use a pew Bible, you'll find today's text on page 1061, and once you're there, I invite you to stand with me out of reverence for the word of God and follow along with me as I read. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me. You will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say to you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was, that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to him to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him this is god's word the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple let's pray lord jesus thank you for your word we pray that uh, your word and holy spirit that you would uh, illumine our eyes give give sight to our eyes that we may see and behold christ exalted from the scriptures this morning and that we may walk away changed people as a result of being with you in your presence and in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So a little review to help us here in John chapter eight. In John chapter six, we saw Jesus miraculously feed a large crowd of people calling to mind God's provision of manna for his people as they wandered in the wilderness after being delivered from slavery in Egypt. And then he miraculously crosses the sea as his disciples watched from a boat. And this is a picture of, of God's people being delivered as they pass through the Red Sea. Then he declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And in chapter 7 at the Feast of Booths, which recalls how God provided water from a from a rock in the wilderness to quench his people's thirsts, Jesus says to everyone who thirsts, Come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will flow from your hearts. You see what's going on here? John is, is showing how Jesus is unpacking all of the major events of God rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt and showing how they all point to himself into a much greater salvation. And now as we come to John 8, chapter 12, Jesus shows how another, yet another event from Israel's salvation from slavery in Egypt points to him. I want to show you three things from this passage. And the first is to examine his claim. This is our first point. To understand this claim, you'll need a little bit of background that is provided for us in verse 20. So if you skip down to there, you'll see it. Uh, it, It just simply says that Jesus is teaching in the temple treasury. And in the treasury, there were these two large candelabra that gave off an incredible amount of light. And these candelabra commemorated how the presence of God led his people in the wilderness as a pillar of cloud by day and as a bright, shining pillar of fire by night. And it's from chapter 7, the water from the rock and here we see the, the light and the pillar. These, these are all associated with the Feast of Booze. Light and water were two major features of that festival. And so here you can see especially how if, if, we, if we take out that, that story of the, the woman caught in adultery, how these two things really fit nicely together, right? You have the, the water imagery and you have the light imagery uh, right next to each other. Well, this is another direct connection to the fact that this is all taking place during the Feast of Booths. It's against this backdrop that Jesus declares in verse 12. Imagine the, the bright shining candelabra behind him. I am the light of the world. Everyone's here commemorating at this feast the light, the pillar of fire that led them in the wilderness. And here Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What does Jesus mean when he makes this claim? First of all, know that this is the second now of Jesus' I am statements. If you're not familiar with what that is, uh, I am is the personal name of Yahweh that God gave to Moses at the burning bush when he said to God, who who should I say has sent me? And 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 God says to him, I am who I am. I am who I am. And this is where we get the the name Yahweh from those Hebrew letters. So by using the I am to identify himself, Jesus is claiming to be God himself. Secondly, any any Jew who was paying attention would also see the connection with the light that we've already talked about. Light was a, is a major theme that runs all throughout the scriptures, especially in John's gospel. John uses light to describe Jesus in his gospel 22 times. Light ties Jesus' identity to the promised Messiah. Isaiah, when speaking of the Messiah to come, he writes to them, he says, it... It is too light a thing or it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So here we see light being associated with the Messiah to come but also light is also a direct claim to deity Psalm 27:1 The Lord is my light And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In the book of Revelation, at the very end, we see Jesus being the light. There's, there's no need for a sun. He lights up all of creation. Okay, but this wasn't just a claim to deity. It was also a claim to exclusivity. What does it mean? What does he mean when he says he's the light of the world? Does Does just him walking about uh, in the ancient Near East uh, mean that he's given light to everybody? Being the light of the world means that Jesus is the only light for the world. There is no other light besides Jesus. Verse 12 makes this quite explicit when it explains that to not have Jesus as your light means to walk in darkness. There's there's no other alternative. There's no other light. It's only Jesus. The alternative is to walk in darkness. And so if we're going to find answers to the deepest questions of our souls, what is wrong with our world? What is wrong with us? And what are the solutions? We need to look to Jesus, who is the light. These answers will not come from politicians, They will not come from celebrities. They will not come from social media influencers. You must turn to Jesus, who is the light. C.S. Lewis once wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. When Jesus claims to be the light of the world, he's saying that only through him can you understand this world. Only through him can you understand yourself even. Apart from Jesus, this world does not make sense. And only by trusting Jesus will your very life make sense. But Jesus wasn't just making a claim about his identity. He also gives a command. And that's my second point the command. In Exodus, God commanded Moses and the people to follow his presence in the form of of that cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night. It was the Lord who would guide Israel safely through the desert and to the promised land. That, That pillar of fire, that cloud, every time it moved, they were to pack up their camp and follow it wherever it went, and they were just to follow it and I, I like to think of uh, all the tragedy that they may have avoided by following that, that light, that pillar of fire and that cloud. And there's times where the, the pillar of fire just stops and they wait and they wait for the Lord. They don't run hastily into the promised land. They wait for the Lord and his wisdom to lead them. So it's with this background that Jesus says, whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness but have the light of life so you can see here this connection to following right following the light it's not just that he is a light and illumines our world to give us understanding of it and of ourselves but he's saying just like that pillar of fire in the wilderness follow me follow me Now, while Jesus is certainly an example for us to follow, the good news here is that he's first and he's finally our Savior. He's our Savior. And so to follow is to believe. And we see this in verse 24. Jesus tells the Pharisees that unless they believe that I am, they will die in their sins. Now, just a quick note here. Uh, in, in our Bible, it says, I am he. There's no he there in, in the Greek. That was added in by translators to make it more readable. But it's really I am. Unless you believe that I am. So he's making, I think, a reference to his claim to be God. They must believe his claim to be God and trust him. And this is what the Bible means by belief. It's to trust. Biblical belief is not about believing in facts. It's about trusting a person. It's about trusting a person. And this is what the Israelites in the wilderness had to do primarily. They had to trust that the, that the Lord, that if they trusted him they would, and they would follow that pillar of fire, they would trust him to lead them wherever it went. And so too with Jesus, to follow him is to trust him. So when the news is blowing up, with the brokenness of our world on full display, trust Jesus and obey his word and he will lead you through. When your life seems like it's falling apart and you're not sure what to do, trust Jesus and obey his word and he will lead you through. When you've made a mess of your life, making bad decision after bad decision, trust Jesus to pick up the pieces and to put it back together. When you're tired, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, trust Jesus to guard your heart and to carry you. Bring your brokenness to Jesus and trust him to forgive your sin, to lead you safely through this wilderness, this broken world of ours, and to ensure that you arrive safely to your heavenly home. Yet the Pharisees They remain hardened to trusting Jesus. They immediately push back on him and show that they are not walking in the light themselves. Instead, they're trying to use God's law to reject God. But Jesus condescends. He gives them three reasons here why They should trust him. First, in verse 14, Jesus tells them that his testimony about himself is valid because of where he came from and because of where he's going, and they don't know where he came from or where he's going. So his testimony, Jesus is saying, my testimony about myself is true because of where I come from. Now, this this might sound like circular reasoning, and it kind of is. For Jesus to say uh, that uh, they can trust him because he said they could trust him, but consider this, and this is the only scenario where this really works concerning circular reasoning. The only reason this works is if Jesus really is the divine, and if he really is the highest authority that there is. Because if Jesus relied on some other authority outside of himself to, to prove the, uh, the, the veracity of, of his, of his uh, testimony, then, then in that moment, whatever that is, has a higher authority than Jesus. It has a higher authority than God. All right? So this is, um, this is uh, one way that Jesus say, is saying here, because of where I come from, because of where, where I'm going, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm the divine from heaven itself, you can trust my authority. But they don't know that. They don't know where he comes from or where he goes. God can appeal to no higher authority than to himself. That's what he's saying here. Second, Jesus tells them in verse 15 that they're still judging him wrongly according to the values of this broken world. In other words, their hearts are still darkened. And thirdly, Jesus says, if, there is, if it's another uh, witness that they want, I've got that too. I've got that too. Jesus says in verse 18 that both he and the Father both bear witness about himself. And isn't it really fascinating that God is Trinity and that he can bear witness about himself, not uh, just because he's the ultimate authority as God, but also because of his three-in-one personhood as God. Uh, He's got three uh, witnesses baked into the the Trinity there. Uh, And it's fascinating to consider the fact that God is truth, right? God is true, and his very nature testifies to that. So ultimately everyone everyone has to choose whether to walk in the light or not but still the Pharisees continue in their darkened understanding and their choice would have consequences and ultimately everyone must choose to trust Jesus or not and that will determine the consequence and this is my final my final point the consequences when the Pharisees and all who continue in their rejection of Jesus, when they continue in that, they will die in their sin, Jesus says. But there's another way. There's another way. In John 1.4, uh, John writes that in Jesus, in him, was life. And the life was the light of men. In other words, Jesus' life has the power to give sight to the spiritually blind. Light reveals what is true. It reveals reality about our world. And when it comes to the problems of our world, the light of the word exposes the chief problem. It's a problem that lies at the root of every human heart. Only Jesus opens your eyes to know your sin and to know your need for a savior. It's almost like receiving an early detection of cancer. It's sobering. And it's sobering when you're confronted by your own sinfulness and to realize that you're more sinful than you ever dared to imagine. But if you catch it early, there's still time to receive the treatment. What is that treatment? Or to use our light analogy, how is it that that the light gets turned on for us? Verse 28 is the key. You must see Jesus for who he is. Jesus tells the Pharisees that when they lift him up, then they will know that he is the divine I am. And this is a reference to his crucifixion. And and there's a lot of irony here, of course, because they're the ones who are going to lift him up to be crucified. But that very act would serve to cause the light of the world to shine that much brighter. It's like having a light covered by a jar and at Jesus' crucifixion, that jar is shattered and broken and the light just goes forth even more brightly, even more intensely. To see this is what will open your eyes. Hearing that Christ died and rose again to forgive your sin has the power to give sight to your blind souls that you may receive the light of life and trust Jesus to save you. And this is the very thing that happens in Acts chapter 2 as Peter is preaching. Follow along with me here. Let all... The house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You see that? The light's getting turned on. This Jesus whom you crucified, Peter's holding him up for them to see. And says, They're cut to the heart. The proclamation of the gospel is powerful and effective to cut through our hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The light will get turned on the light will get turned on. Verse 30 tells us that many who heard these words of Jesus believed in him. Do you believe in him this morning? Hebrews 9.27 says, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. This means that we only have this life to decide to trust jesus if you continue in your unbelief and die in your sins then comes judgment and then it will be too late the only way the people of israel made it to the promised land was to submit to god to follow the light the pillar of fire and it's no different today the only way to escape slavery from sin and to make it to heaven is to trust and follow jesus Everyone will know on that day, on that great day, everyone will know that Jesus is Lord. There will be no mistaking it. It will be plain as day. And you can know now and have the light of life, but if you resist and die in your sins, it will be too late. May God grant you eyes to see and believe today. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you stepped into a world of darkness to be the light of the world. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, who was lifted up on that cross, who was crucified, dead, and buried, and risen to life on that third day to bring light to into the darkness. God, we pray that light would come to those in darkness in our midst this morning even. In this room or even watching online, we pray that you would bring light to darkness. That people would see the risen Christ, the crucified Savior, and that the light would come on in their hearts and that they would trust you, Jesus. Father, help us to know that we to have this light to share with others. Give us boldness, give us courage, give us winsomeness to speak with our friends and with our neighbors, to bring light to those who so desperately need it and they don't even know they need it. That is the saddest part. They don't even know they need it. Father, help us to engage our world well, to bring this news to people who need it so desperately.